Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth, but Heavenly Minded. I'm your host, Irv Risch. And as we move forward, we're going to be going through the entire New Testament. Uh, and with that, we're going to do a commentary afterwards. And uh, with that said, let us just move on to our next section. And thank you for joining me. Chapter 13 And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings! And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved." But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or Look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Mark chapter 13 6. The Servant's Olivet Discourse, chapter 13 uh, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple, 13 colon 1, 2. 13.1 As the Lord Jesus was leaving the temple area for the last time before his death, one of his disciples tried to arouse his enthusiasm concerning the magnificence of the temple and the surrounding architecture. The disciples were occupied with the architectural triumphs involved in erecting the enormous stones. 13.2 The Savior pointed out that these things were soon to be destroyed. Not one stone would be left upon another when the Roman armies would invade Jerusalem in AD 70. Why be occupied with things that are only passing shadows? Be the beginning of sorrows, 13 3, 8. In his discourse on the Mount of Olives, the Lord diverted the disciples' attention to events of greater importance. Some of the prophecies seem to depict the destruction of Jerusalem, AD 70, most of them obviously go beyond that date to the tribulation period and to the personal return of Christ in power and glory. The watchwords of the discourse, which apply to believers in every dispensation, are, 1, take heed, verses 5, 23, 33, 2, do not be troubled, verse 7, 3, endure, verse 13, 4, pray, verses 18, 33, 5, watch, verses 9, 33, 35, 37. 13 colon 3, for the discourse was introduced by a question from Peter, James, John, and Andrew. When would the temple be destroyed? and what would be the sign preceding the prophesied event? The Lord's answer included the destruction of a later temple, which would take place during the Great Tribulation, prior to His second advent. 13 5, 6 First, they were to take heed that no one deceived them by claiming to be the Messiah. Many false Christs would appear, as seen in the rise of so many cults, each with its own Antichrist. 13 7, 8 Secondly, they should not interpret wars and rumors of wars as a sign of the end times. All through the intervening period, there would be international strife. In addition, there would be great cataclysms of nature, earthquakes, famines, and troubles. These would be but preliminary birth pangs, ushering in a period of unparalleled travail. 
See Persecution of Disciples, 13 9 13,9 13,9 Thirdly, the Lord predicted great personal testing for those who would be unflinching in their testimony for Him. They would be put on trial before religious and civil courts. While this section is applicable to all periods of Christian testimony, it seems to have special reference to the ministry of the 144,000 Jewish believers who will carry the gospel of the kingdom to all nations of the earth prior to Christ's coming to reign. 13.10 verse 10 should not be used to teach that the gospel must be preached to all the nations before the rapture. It should be proclaimed worldwide and perhaps it will be, but to say that it must be is to state something the Bible doesn't state. No prophecy needs to be fulfilled before Christ's coming for his saints, he may come at any moment. 13.11 The Lord promised that persecuted believers on trial for his sake would be given divine help in making their defense. They would not need to prepare their case in advance, perhaps there would not be time. The Holy Spirit would give them exactly the right words. This promise should not be used as an excuse for not preparing sermons or gospel messages today, but is a guarantee of supernatural help for crisis times. It is a promise for martyrs, not ministers. 13.12, 13 Another feature of tribulation days will be widespread betrayal of those who are loyal to the Savior. Family members will serve as informers against believers. A great wave of anti-Christian sentiment will sweep the world. It will take courage to remain true to the Lord Jesus, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. This cannot mean that they will receive eternal salvation because of their endurance, that would be a false gospel. Neither can it mean that faithful believers will be saved from physical death during the tribulation, because we read elsewhere that many will seal their testimony with their blood. What it probably means is that endurance to the end will evidence reality, that is, it will characterize those who are genuinely saved. D. The Great Tribulation, 13 14, 23. 13 14, 18 verse 14 marks the middle of the tribulation period, the beginning of the Great Tribulation. We know this by comparing this passage with Daniel 9 verse 27. At that time, a great abominable idol will be set up in the temple in Jerusalem. Men will be compelled to worship it or be slain. True believers will, of course, refuse. The setting up of this idolatrous image will signal the beginning of great persecution. Those who read and believe the Bible will know that the time has come to flee from Judea. There will not be time to gather up personal belongings. Pregnant women and nursing mothers will be at a distinct disadvantage. If it happens in winter, that will add further hazards. 1319 It will be a time of tribulation greater than anything in the past or the future. It is the Great Tribulation. The Lord Jesus is not speaking here about the general type of tribulation which believers in every age have encountered. This is a period of trouble unique in its intensity. Notice that the tribulation is primarily Jewish in character. We read of the temple, v. 14, cf. Matthew 24 verse 15, and of Judea, verse 14. It is the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30 verse 7. The church is not in view here. It will have already been taken to heaven before the day of the Lord begins, 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13-18, cf. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1-3. 13-20 The bowls of God's wrath will be poured out on the world in those days. It will be a time of calamity, chaos, and bloodshed. In fact, 
the slaughter will be so great that God will supernaturally shorten the period of daylight, otherwise no one would survive. 1321, 22 The Great Tribulation will again witness the rise of false messiahs. People will be so desperate they will turn to anyone who promises them safety. But believers will know that Christ will not appear quietly or unheralded. Even if these false Christs perform supernatural wonders, as they will, the elect will not be deceived. They will realize that these miracles are satanically inspired. Miracles are not necessarily divine. They represent superhuman departures from the known laws of nature but may represent the work of Satan, angels, or demons. The man of sin will be given satanic power to perform miracles, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. 1323 So believers should take heed and be forewarned. E. The Second Advent, 13 colon 24, 27. 1324, 25 After that tribulation, there will be startling disturbances in the heavens. Darkness will shroud the earth both by day and by night. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens, the forces that keep stellar bodies in orbit, will be shaken. 1326, 27 Then the awestruck world will see the Son of Man returning to the earth, not now as the lowly Nazarene but as the glorious conqueror. He will come in the clouds, escorted by myriads of angelic beings and of glorified saints. It will be a scene of overwhelming power and dazzling splendor. He will dispatch his angels to gather together his elect, that is, all who have acknowledged him as Lord and Savior during the tribulation period. From one end of the earth to the other, from China to Colombia, they will come to enjoy the benefits of his wonderful thousand-year reign on earth. His enemies, however, will be destroyed at the same time. F. Parable of the Fig Tree, 13 28, 31 1328 The fig tree is a symbol, or type, of the nation of Israel. Jesus taught here that prior to his second advent, the fig tree would put forth leaves. In 1948, the independent nation of Israel was formed. Today that nation exerts an influence in world affairs that is out of all proportion to its size. Israel can be said to be putting forth its leaves. There is no fruit as yet, in fact, there will be no fruit until the Messiah returns to a people who are willing to receive him. 1329 The formation and growth of the nation of Israel tell us that the king is near at the doors. If his coming to reign is that near, how much nearer is his coming for the church? 1330 verse 30 is often understood to mean that all the things prophesied in this chapter would take place while the men of Christ's day were still living. But it cannot mean that because many of the events, especially verses 24 to 27, simply did not take place at that time. Others understand it to mean that the generation living when the fig tree put forth its leaves, that is, when the nation of Israel was formed in 1948, would be the generation that would see the second advent. We prefer a third view. This generation may mean this race. We believe it means this Jewish race characterized by unbelief and rejection of the Messiah. The testimony of history is that this generation has not passed away. The nation as a whole has not only survived as a distinct people, but has continued in its deep-seated animosity toward the Lord Jesus. Jesus predicted that the nation and its national characteristic would continue until his second advent. 1331 Our Lord emphasized the absolute certainty of every one of his predictions. The atmospheric heaven and the stellar heaven will pass away. The earth itself will be dissolved. But every word he spoke will come to pass.
G. The day and hour unknown, 1332, 37. 1332 Jesus said, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It is well known that this verse has been used by enemies of the gospel to prove that Jesus was nothing more than a man with limited knowledge like ourselves. It has also been used by sincere but misguided believers to demonstrate that Jesus emptied himself of the attributes of deity when he came into the world as a man. Neither of these interpretations is true. Jesus was and is both God and man. He had all the attributes of deity and all the characteristics of perfect manhood. It is true that his deity was veiled in a body of flesh, but it was there nonetheless. There was never a time when he was not fully God. How then can it be said of him that he does not know the time of his second advent? We believe the key to the answer is found in John 15 verse 15, a servant does not know what his master is doing. As a perfect servant, it was not given to the Lord Jesus to know the time of his coming. As God, of course, he does know it. But as servant, it was not given to him to know it for the purpose of revealing to others. James H. Brooks explains it thus. It is not a denial of our Lord's divine omniscience, but simply an assertion that in the economy of human redemption, it was not for him to know the times or seasons, which the Father hath appointed by his own authority, Acts 1 verse 7. Jesus knew that he will come again, and often spoke of his second advent, but it did not fall to his office as son to determine the date of his return, and hence he could hold it up before his followers as the object of constant expectation and desire. 1333-37 The chapter closes with an exhortation to watchfulness and prayer in view of the Lord's return. The fact that we do not know the appointed time should keep us on the alert. A similar situation is common in everyday life. A man goes away from home on a long trip. He leaves instructions with his servant and tells the watchman also to be on the lookout for his return. Jesus likened himself to the traveling man. He may come back at any hour of the night. His people, serving as night watchmen, should not be found sleeping. So he left this word for all his people. Watch. Well, this ends another one of our podcasts. And until uh, next time, just remember, God is out here. And you can find out all about him in your Bibles. All you have to do is pick it up and read it. I have mine right here. And uh, God is in this Bible. So please read it. With that said, bye for now. Till next time.